We're going to dive in. It's going to be good. Uh, if you have your Bible, and you should have your Bible, hopefully you have a paper Bible. This is my new thing. I'm really pushing the paper Bible. I know we all got digital devices, and we got phones, and all that's great, but there's just nothing like a paper Bible, okay? Just nothing like a real Bible. I'm sorry. Fake. Okay. I'm not going to go there. If you have a phone, that's cool too. Go, go, to, go to the book of Esther, the book of Esther. If you, have a, if you have a paper Bible, book of Esther is in between the book of Nehemiah and the book of Job. So if you've hit Job, you've gone too far, you need to hang a left. Okay? Book of Esther. Hey, guess what? Uh, fathers and mothers are desperately needed in this hour. Desperately needed. Uh, if, you're, if you're a mother or you're a female in the room and you've not gone back to listen to Nikki's message on Mother's Day, you need to do that. Like seriously, this week. <laughs> Go back and listen to that. It was an amazing message. Um, and, and I just, I feel so strongly that we need both. Like we need fathers and we need mothers and we need you to occupy your place. Um, and so this morning, I want to say this, no one is exempt from fathering and mothering a generation. And that's why I'm speaking to everyone, and it's why I'm speaking to every man in the room. Because even if you may not have kids in the natural, there's a calling that the Lord has for you to father somebody around you, and we're going to see that in the book of Esther. You're going to see a man named Mordecai who is not actually Esther's father. You're going to see him father her. We're going to walk through that this morning. But in our culture, listen to this. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 18.4 million children, that's one in four, live without a biological step or adopted father in the home. That's one in four. Think about that. That is a staggering statistic. And again, there's a lot of different reasons for that, and there's a lot of things that might be going on in situations happening, but I think you can look at that stat right there, and I think you can take a picture of what's happening in culture, and I think you can see a little bit of what's going on. We have a culture that is starving with fatherlessness. We have a culture that desperately needs Fathers, mothers as well, but we need, there's a, there's a something that a father occupies that speaks identity to kids and those around them that has the ability to pull them into the way that they should go, that has the ability to impart the heart of God the Father to them. And I think we desperately need that right now. And so, of course, we know that we can only father as we understand that we are loved by our heavenly father. So if you're in this room and you're a male, like we get to, the only way that I get to be a good dad and father to my daughter, but also father in this house, is because I have to be so connected to my heavenly father. Man, I can't do it without him. And you know what? It's not just I can't do it, I won't do it. I won't do it without him. He directs my every step, and so he's the one. So this morning, as we begin, it's important for us to know, like, every moment that we get 
to spend with our heavenly Father is allowing us, it's imparting in us the ability to be the best man that we can be. All right. Let's look at the story of Esther, chapter 1. All right, so most of you, probably most of you in the room, you've heard of, or at least know, at least a little bit of the story of Esther, right? If you've been in church, you've probably heard this preached, some at least. Um, and so what, what's happening in chapter 1 is King Aherius, or Xerxes I, um, gets upset at Queen Vashti, right? Okay, and what does he do? He removes her from being queen. Okay, that is what is happening in chapter one. I'm going to kind of give you a quick little gloss over here, and we're going to look at some specific verses here. And so when you go to Esther 2, Esther 2 begins with the king's attendants forming a plan to find a new king, queen, okay? They're finding a new queen. And I want you to look at Esther 2, verse 2, and we're going to pick up here. It says, then the king's attendants who served him said, let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king, and may the king appoint overseers in all the provinces of his kingdom, and have them bring every beautiful young virgin to the citadel of Susa, to the harem, into the custody of Haggai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women, and let their cosmetics be given to them, then let the young women who pleases the king, the, who pleases the king be queen in place of Vashti. And the suggestion pleased the king, and he did accordingly. Okay, so this is the plan. We know what happens, right? All, all the girls come in, and Esther begins to gain favor, yes? Okay, but I want you to see here, I want you to go to verse 5, because verse 5 is when we, we begin to meet Mordecai. Okay, it says, there was a Jew at the citadel in Susa whose name was Mordecai the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been taken from Jerusalem with the exiles who had been deported with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had deported. Verse 7 says, He was the guardian to Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had no father or mother. And I want you to see that. Esther doesn't have an earthly father or mother. Okay, and it says, now the young woman was beautiful of form and face, and when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So Esther doesn't have an earthly father or mother. This is one of those things that would look like that Census Bureau stat that we just read. And I don't... Maybe they died, I'm not exactly sure what happened to them, but the reality is Esther is without an earthly father and mother, and that's Mordecai steps in and says, I'm going to take care of her. Okay, so point number one. Mordecai was not Esther's earthly father, but he stepped in as a father regardless. And I want you to see the language here. It wasn't just that he treated Esther as a guardian, but he took her in as his own daughter. We need fathers to step in as Mordecai did and reveal the heart of God to raise up sons and daughters. 
Even if you aren't a biological father in the natural word, you can be a spiritual father and you are still called to disciple and father a generation. Listen, it's desperately needed. Who is there around you that you can disciple as a father, that you can pour into them? I love that verse in Romans 8, 19. It says, for the anxious longing of creation is for the raising up of the sons and daughters. It doesn't just say creation is looking for sons and daughters. It says it's anxiously longing. What does that communicate? It means that there's a desperation to see sons and daughters raised up. How do you get sons, healthy sons and daughters? You have fathers and mothers. You have people willing to pour in to sons and daughters to allow them to springboard and say, I want you to go and accomplish everything that you are called to do. And this morning, there is a call. If you are in this room, there is a call for you to mother, and there's a call for you to father, and the world desperately needs fathers and mothers that will raise sons and daughters. It says that all of creation is anxiously longing for it. And so then we find in chapter 2, verse 8, that Esther is taken into the king's palace. It says that she grows in favor to the point that she gets the best food and the best care. I want you to look at Esther 2, verse 11. This is my point number two. Point number two. Fathering isn't a passive thing, but involves coming alongside and actively participating. If you're a father, if you're a man in this room, you are not called to be passive, but to be active. You're called to step in. And so look at Esther 2.11. It says every day. So Esther is, is taken into the king's palace, okay? She's growing in favor. What does Mordecai do? It says every day Mordecai walked back and forth in front of the courtyard of the harem to learn how Esther was and what was happening to her. Now, now think about this, okay? Mordecai could have easily just gone, sat back, oh, I did my job. <sighs> Esther's in the king's palace. I'm good. What does he do instead? He's so invested in what's happening in this moment, he's pacing. He's pacing to the king's palace, and he's like, hey, have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard? What's going on with Esther? What's happening? What's happening? Do you know what's happening? What's going on? I can imagine he's probably praying. He's probably, he's, he's actively participating in Esther's life, even though Esther has started to step into what God has called her to do. He's, he hasn't stepped back. He's actually stepped forward, and he's actively participating. So what's the role of a father? The role of a father is to be active, is to participate. Fathers are not called to be passive, but they are called to be actively involved in what God is doing through sons and daughters. Like I can imagine Mordecai couldn't wait to hear the news. He wasn't going anywhere. If you are a man, you are called as a father to be present available and active in what's happening in sons and daughters around you. Be present, available, and active. So this is a call. I just, I felt like this morning the title of my message is Let the Fathers Arise. Let the Fathers Arise. We need 
this is a call for, for us as men to step in and say that we will be active. I'm not going to just passively sit back and let that statistic continue to happen and let things continue to happen in culture. I'm going to be active and I'm going to engage in the sons and daughters that I see around me to build and grow them so that they can step into all that God has. And I'm called to do that with my kids, with my daughter and my son. But I'm also called to do that here as the pastor of this house. I'm called to do that with those around me. I'm called to instill things in them and to be active and to participate, okay? As a father, you're, you're not called to be on the sidelines. You're called to be in the battle. You're called to be in. All right, so Esther 2.17. Esther becomes queen. We know the story. And I want to skip here next in chapter 3. We meet, of course, the villain, Haman. Haman gains the king's favor and is put in charge of all of the king's officials and servants. Um, Haman is a bad dude. Haman is a bad dude. And you know what Haman's fall was? What was Haman's fall? Pride. Pride comes before a fall. Haman's downfall was pride. One of the quickest ways to fall is pride. I'm not preaching on this this morning, but I just want you to see Pride, thinking more about yourself than you do others, that leads to a fall. I'm just telling you. Pride is not a good thing. And so Haman is a bad dude. And this bad dude gets so full of pride, he decides that he's going to come up with this grand plan and he's going to have everybody bow down and pay homage to him. And he's going to kind of get glory from this. And and, and he wants, he's eating that pride up. He's like, I want people to worship me. Does it sound familiar? It sounds like the book of Daniel, doesn't it? Sounds like the book of Daniel. And what happened in the book of Daniel? Daniel refused to worship. What happens in the book of Esther? Mordecai refuses to worship. Mordecai is like, I'm not doing that. Esther 3 verse 2 says, but Mordecai neither bowed down nor paid homage. So Mordecai's like, I'm not going to participate in this. But what happens? Haman then learns that Mordecai refused to bow down to him. And he decides, I'm not just going to kill Mordecai. I'm going to wipe out the Jews. And so now this big plot is revealed. There's a lot more on Esther's plate all of a sudden. And a lot is happening. But this is what I want to say. Point number three, if you're, if you're taking notes. A father is willing to take a stand even if no one else will. A father is willing to stand when others sit. A father is willing to say, I'm not going to bow down to the ways of the world. I'm not going to bow down to any other idols. I'm not going to bow down to anything. I'm going to step in I'm going to know who I am, and I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stand. A father is willing to take a stand, even though no one else will. A father following Jesus refuses to let culture dictate who they should listen to, who they should bow down to, who they should worship. A father stands and fights for truth. This is really needed right now. It's really needed right now. 
We need fathers that are not just going to be silent about things, but they're going to step in. Listen to this. A father refuses to let culture dictate how to father. Okay, what is culture trying to do right now? Culture is trying to teach you how to parent. It's trying to teach you how to father. It's trying to teach you how to mother. It's trying to teach you how to teach your kids certain things. Culture is trying to take the place of a healthy father and mother. What does the father do? Ain't, ain't no way. Ain't no way. I'm going to stand. And I'm not going to bow. And I'm not going to pay homage to the ways of the world. I'm not going to allow the ways of the world to parent my kids. I'm not going to allow the ways of the world to creep in. I'm going to take a stand and refuse to bow. Come on, do we have some people in this room that are going to take a stand and refuse to bow? This is deeply needed right now. This is necessary. When we look around us, part of that stat that I read, we need fathers to step in and say, no, listen, that's not the way to go. That's not the right way. That's not who you are. That's not your identity. That's not your identity. No, there's not that many genders. This is who you are. No, there's not. No, no, this is healthy marriage. Let me show you healthy marriage. Let me show you healthy covenant. Let me show you a healthy father. Let me show you a father that loves you even more than I do. Let me reveal that to you, and then I'm going to empower you on your way so that the world gets transformed through healthy fathers and mothers. Fathers are willing to take a stand in the gap for sons and daughters. A healthy father is willing to get right in that gap and to say, you, you got to go around me. You want to get to them, enemy? You got to go around me. And let me tell you, let me tell you, I'm going to cast you out, right? Come on. I know some of you, you've been praying for your kids. You've been praying for those around you intercession when you step into that place of intercession for sons and daughters what are you doing you're standing in the gap you're saying i'm going to take my place and i'm going to own it i'm going to own it all right let's continue what happens in esther the decree was put into writing and it was sent out to kill all of the jews when the decree was put into writing this is when mordecai discovers the plot Okay, so the father discovers the plot. And Esther finds out, and there's great fear. So what does she do? She summons one of her attendants, Hatach, to go to Mordecai and to find out exactly what's going on. I want you to pick up in Esther 4, verse 9. So Hatach came back and reported Mordecai's words to Esther. Then Esther spoke to Hatach and ordered him to reply to Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king in the inner courtyard who is not summoned, he has only one law, that he be put to death. Unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter so that he may live. And I have not been summoned to come to the king for these 30 days. And they reported Esther's words to Mordecai. All right, so Esther is afraid. Rightly so. I would probably be afraid as well, right? This is not a small opportunity. This is not like, 
maybe there's a difficult circumstance. Maybe there might be persecution. Maybe, like, this is like life or death right now. Either the king extends the scepter and she lives, or the king doesn't and she dies. That's pretty sobering, right? And so they report the words to Mordecai that Esther said. And this is the moment of truth for Esther. She's faced with a decision. Esther was worried that the king may not extend the scepter. And then it's the verse that everybody quotes and is on every bumper sticker, right? Let's read it. Let's read it. This is Mordecai's response, okay? Esther 4, verse 13. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. Again, I want you to think about this in the context of a father, okay? Do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, liberation and rescue will rise for the Jews from another place. And you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for what? For such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, verse 16, Go gather all the Jews who are found in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants also will fast in the same way. And then I will what? Go into the king. Which is not in accordance with the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and did just as Esther has commanded. And we know how the story ends. Right? The king extends his scepter. Esther is granted an audience. Esther reveals and, and begins to reveal Haman's plot. And all this happens. Esther plans a banquet. Um, Haman's extremely angry against Mordecai because he was the only one willing to stand. Esther reveals her true identity as a Jew to the king and then tells the king that Haman is the one plotting to kill her people. The king then commands that Haman be put to death and the Jews are saved. Then we have Mordecai promoted, Mordecai crowned in royalty. We have the Jews destroyed, uh, the Jews destroyed their enemies in Esther 9 and the book ends. How does the book end? Do you know how the book ends? The book of Esther ends by talking about the greatness of Mordecai. The book of Esther ends by talking about the greatness of a man who stepped in as a father. That allowed Esther to take her place as a daughter to see not just them saved, but the entire generation of Jews at the time. Come on, is that not amazing? So what's point number four? I want to go back to that moment where Mordecai says, for if you keep silent. What is he doing in that moment? He's saying, hey, look. I, am, I want you to see and I want you to know who you are as a daughter. And I want you to see that you have courage. I want you to see your identity in this moment, Esther. I want you to see that everything in your life has been building up to this one moment. The Lord has appointed you, Esther, for such a time as this. And there's such a revelation of the Father, God the Father, 
coming through Mordecai that instills such identity in her that her response is, if I die, I die, but I'm doing it. If I perish, I perish, but I'm going to do it. And so point number four is this. A father instills identity, calls out purpose, and imparts courage. Esther needed a father in that moment. How would this story have gone had Mordecai not been in the picture? Mordecai actually says how it would have gone. He says liberation from the Jews would have come from another place if Esther didn't step in. And I don't know what that story would have looked like because thank God we have this one. Because Esther stepped into her place because of what Mordecai instilled through the heart of a father. I remember growing up, I remember this memory so vividly. Um, I remember playing with some friends of mine, and one of my friends looked at me, and he was like, Andrew, you're not a leader. And I was like, wow, okay. And ever since that moment, I struggled with my identity as a leader and actually having, feeling like I had what it takes to be a leader like I wasn't cut out for leadership I wasn't cut out to lead people and what that led to is it actually led to me not thinking that my opinion was ever valued I didn't want to share my opinion so what I ended up doing is always going with the crowd yeah whatever you want's good with me I just want to please you and it stemmed from that moment of identity for me because I lost identity in who I was and instead, I began to walk out a path where I was just willing to do whatever you wanted because I didn't think that I really mattered that deeply. Do you see this? And so this, this took me on a journey. Um, I relegated myself because of this moment to being a passive leader. I said, I'm better off on the sidelines. Like, people don't want me in the game, so I'm better off on the sidelines. And the Lord began to convict me, but I want you to see part of what happened in this, is as the Lord began to convict me, the Lord did it, and he brought identity through my mom and my dad. Not just through them, though, through other fathers. There were other fathers that were, that, that were around me that I had the opportunity to step in. I remember ministry school. We used to have a ministry school in at the time, it was led by uh, Matt and Sonia Baumhoff, and uh, Matt Baumhoff was up here, and he, was, he, he called me out to do a one to two minute word study. Okay, if you don't know what a word study is, obviously the Bible was not originally written in English. Okay, so a word study is looking at the Greek or pulling out the Hebrew and, and, and asking the question, how does that reveal something actually different in the way that you read that passage? And so I got up there, I was probably 21, okay, 21 years old, I get up there, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm like, I don't know if this is going to be good or not, and I just share this one to two minute thing, and all of a sudden, Matt begins to encourage me, he calls me out in that moment, and he says, this is what you're called to do. And the Holy Spirit fell. And that was a moment for me, along with the encouragement and the cheering on and the continuing instillment of my father, who has always been one of my greatest cheerleaders in my entire life. 
he, along with other fathers, stepped in. And that was a moment that propelled me to being right here where I am right now. Why? Because a father saw purpose and identity in a young man, a 21-year-old that had no idea what he was doing. And he said, this is what you're called to do. And in that moment, that led to all sorts of things, which was me actually renouncing a lie that I didn't want to be in ministry. It was me renouncing a lie that I didn't want to do that. And it was me taking a stand as a son and saying, I want to be in the game now. I want to be in. Put me in, coach. Come on. I want to be in ministry. I want to do full-time ministry. I want to preach the gospel. I want to do this. And the fruit of what is happening right now is the fruit of God using specific fathers in my life to instill courage and identity in me so that I know I'm not a passive leader. I'm called to lead. I'm called to lead. I had to come out of agreement with the fact that I was not a leader and that my opinion didn't matter. I had to step out of being passive and I had to get in. But listen, if not for the fathers in my life, I would not be here in this moment if it were not for fathers that came around me. Mordecai stepped in as a father and he fathered. I love what my dad says. He says, releasing inheritance comes from fathering and not from friending. Did you catch that? Releasing inheritance comes from fathering and not from friending. Friends are important, okay? I'm not trying to say friends are not important. But listen to me. A friend cannot occupy the place of a father. A friend doesn't give inheritance, a father does. And so in this moment, I was fathered. It wasn't just, hey, I'm just going to, I'm encouraging you as a friend. There's something different that happens when you step in as a father. And you release inheritance that you carry and that you have to give. Because as a father, I have inheritance to give. I have legacy to give. Biblically, we see all throughout the Bible, right, a father's blessing. A father's blessing. It's all over Scripture, including the life of Jesus. What happened when Jesus was baptized? It was the father's blessing. Abraham blessing Isaac. Isaac blessing Jacob. There's something that happens when a father steps in and blesses sons and daughters and instills inheritance that they are able to not just start, not just start from way back here, but actually to start way up here because the father has plowed land, because the father has taken territory, because the father has occupied something, and now his part of his role in inheritance is then to freely give that to sons and daughters. Mordecai released inheritance. Mordecai released Esther into her inheritance, coming as a father. There's a 
commercial that I found recently, and I don't watch a lot of commercials. I don't like them, to be honest. But there's one commercial that gets me every time. And it's this story of this girl who, I think she's like, she's young, and she's just, you see this video of her just hitting a golf ball, you know? She's probably like maybe five, maybe six years old, and she's just hitting a golf ball. And all of a sudden, you see in the commercial that her father sees her hitting a golf ball. And he's like, whoa, she really likes this. Like something's happening when she hits that golf ball. And so what he does is he calls the place, he calls like a country club up. And he's like, hey, I don't have, I don't have enough money to put my daughter in golf lessons. But I will work and do whatever you need for my daughter to have golf lessons. Like whatever it takes, I want to make sure that my daughter gets golf lessons. And so there's this moment where he calls her up, and then you see future footage. And this girl, who's now a woman, is standing on hole 18. If you don't know what hole 18 is, it's the last hole in a championship tournament. And she's putting for the championship. And she takes that putt, and the ball goes in, and you pan over in the footage, and you see her father right there on the front of the line with a camera. Because a father saw the potential in his daughter and then was willing to sacrifice and do whatever it takes to make sure that she got golf lessons. Not even knowing what would happen with that, 20 years later, she wins an LPGA title all because of a moment when a father said, this is the identity, and this is what I want to give you. I want to make sure that you're able to succeed and do whatever is necessary to do that. That's a father. A father sees the potential in sons and daughters, and he's, he's going to step in and do whatever it takes to call that out. And then I love the fact that he was the one on the front row Right? Because Mordecai didn't just passively watch Esther step into this. He was active. And so the father didn't just say, oh yeah, she won the championship. Yay. He was on the front row. <laughs> you go, daughter. Look what you just accomplished. You did it. And the father steps in and fathers. I believe so strongly right now that with everything we need fathers and I just want to share this list with you 13 things that I believe it means to father okay and this is not an exhaustive list fathers release compassion that comes from Psalm 103 13 fathers provide healthy discipline that's Ephesians 6 4 fathers reveal the word or the instruction of the word that's also Ephesians 6 4 Fathers release wisdom. That's found in Proverbs 4. Fathers provide safety for sons and daughters to feel protected. Fathers release legacy and inheritance. Fathers release courage. Fathers release identity. Fathers empower. Fathers give strength. Fathers provide resources. Fathers provide a covering. And fathers stand for truth. This is what it means to father. I believe with all my heart this morning, um, 
that the Lord is raising us up as men to Father. I love what Nate Edwardson says, he's a pastor in Redding, California. He says, fathering intentionally in our fragmented day will require strong, shame-free, spirit-filled, safe fathers. I believe in this hour we need fathers that will take their place like Mordecai did with Esther. And will say, hey, for such a time as this, for such a time as this, rise up. Let's go. Let the fathers arise. It's time. It's time. It's time. Those of us, maybe if you've, I don't want you to, no shame or condemnation, but for those that maybe were sitting a little more on the sidelines, the Lord is calling you up. He's saying, let the fathers arise. It's time. Even Paul in 1 Corinthians 4, what does he say? He says in verse 15, for if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Can I say something this morning? Everything that you turn to right now is looking to tutor you. Everything. You could find 1.75 million videos on anything you could possibly want on YouTube right now. You want to be tutored? There's a lot of ways to be tutored. There's not a lot of ways to be fathered. There's a lot of sources out there. There's a whole lot of stuff happening on social media. There's people, generations, that are actually being discipled and tutored on platforms that actually need, we need fathers to come in and say, no, no, no. Hey, it's, let's not just focus on social media. This is who you are. Let me show you the way. There are countless tutors. There are few fathers. There are countless sources that you can turn to there is one God the Father and in this day and age that's only going to get bigger there's only going to be more tutors there's only going to be more sources there's only going to be more data there's only going to be more knowledge there's still only only going to be one truth there's a lot of ideas there's one truth I am the way the truth and the life anyone Right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone. If you want to see the Father, Jesus, right? He's the way, He's the truth, and He's the life. So this morning, I want to end right now. And I felt really strongly this morning that the Lord wants to, He wants to impart things into us as men. And I just want to encourage you to, some of us in this room are watching, maybe, maybe we've had an absent father in the natural. Maybe he was more passive. Maybe he wasn't around at all. Or maybe you had a father who was trying and he did the best that he could. But he wasn't really able to really be there. And in that place, first I just 
want to acknowledge that and I want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that happened. And it's worth acknowledging the difficulty in that. But I want you to know something. God wants to reveal himself as father to you as well. He wants to be your father. And that doesn't take the place or the, of, of the need for us as men to rise up and be fathers. But we can only do that through a revelation of the heavenly father. And I just felt this morning that there are some places that he wants to heal in our hearts. And he wants to father us. One of my favorite passages right now is a passage I think I read last, last week. And it's in Luke 12. And it's where Jesus says, For it is the Father's good pleasure, little flock, to give you the kingdom. There is a Father in heaven whose greatest desire, what puts a smile on his face, is actually the fact that he gets to give you the kingdom. He gets to give you the kingdom. And so this morning, I want to first pray for that. Lord, we just thank you. I ask you for those in the room, Lord, maybe they, they grew up without a father. Or there was a father that was absent. I ask you right now that you would come in to that place and that you would father. As only you can. you Lord thank you God for what you're doing That's you. Just, just receive for a minute longer. Understanding to be sons and daughters comes as we understand who you are as a father. So we thank you for that right now. And I ask you for where there are places, voids that need to be filled, Lord, I, I ask you right now that you would fill that place. That you would fill that place. That you would fill that place as father. That it's the Father's good pleasure, little one, little flock, son and daughter, to give you the kingdom. And I just see the Lord right now, even in places where maybe, maybe you haven't been, been fathered or there's been places of hurt and pain in that moment. I see 
the Father right now giving you keys to the kingdom. He says, I love you, son and daughter. The last thing I want to do is I want to I want to just call all of the men up. If you would just fill the front. And I want to just call up our elders, Steve and Jerry, as fathers in this house. I want them to, to minister as well. But I just, wow, this is amazing. I just want right now I just I really felt like again this morning the Lord wanted to say let the fathers arise let the fathers arise and here's what I love about being in a house that's generational is that at a young age you can still step in and come alongside somebody but I really I want this morning to for just if you're not you're not up here and you're you're still out there I just want you to pray pray for the men because I really feel like the Lord's gonna do something and I just want to let our elders share yeah I felt a word uh, this morning for someone either over the live stream or someone in this house and you've had uh, an estranged relationship with uh, a son maybe from another marriage uh, maybe from a non-marriage or maybe a relationship that you currently have in marriage and you've got a son or a daughter who's not connected and the verse I had was the last verse in the Old Testament the Bible begins in the beginning and it's a great thing and then God's heart is broken over his estrangement with us and the last verse in the Old Testament is the promise of restoring the hearts of the Father yes. to the children and the hearts of the children to the Father. And for a Father in heaven who knows what that means and whose heart is broken, uh, friends, brothers who have that situation going on, know that you have the weight of the heart of the Father in heaven yeah. on your side to restore that relationship. And it's not going to be through something uh, just arbitrarily, uh, hey, I'm going to touch you and it's going to happen. What I'm going to say, it's going to be a process. And in that process, you're going to pray uh, for that child and you're going to watch God take over because he's on your side to restore that relationship. Yes. And so I want to encourage you today, go away in confidence. If that's you're in that situation or that's happening over the live stream, Go in confidence knowing that the God of, of heaven who created you is on your side. And he wants that relationship restored. And uh, so every day just pray into that and, and know that God is, is for you. So, uh, Father, I pray into yeah. this particular situation. Lord, you, Lord, we go away with confidence 
knowing that you care so deeply about restoration yes and that you yes. uh, are working in power and love and that your spirit is drawing yes uh, men to men and, and sons and daughters to the fathers lord and we thank you for that assurance in jesus name And I just um, had a similar word that, about um, the activity versus relationship. And for, for the fathers, we, we have these desires, expectations, and then we hate, we're suddenly faced with failures, disappointments. And many times it's on ourselves and about ourselves. And I, and I heard just the Lord just say, your mistakes, your past does not define yeah. you. Yes. I define you. Yes. And neither does the future define you. I define you. Yes. And so my prayer is, is, you know, what is it, what does a child really want? Wants to know they're loved. And the verse kept coming to my mind, the steadfast love of the Lord yeah. never ceases. One of my favorite verse, verses, it's a weird one, is <laughs> when Jesus had just been crucified and raised, and he had not yet ascended. And he appeared, and you, you may remember the scripture verse, he was talking to Mary, Mary was there weeping, and she thought he was the gardener. And he, he said, why are you weeping? And so she was explaining, and then, yeah. and then she said, she saw him and called him rabbi and then she wanted to, wanted to touch him I think she wanted to hug him <laughs> and he said don't because I have not yet ascended and here it's, here's what he said I tell my disciples I'm going to your God my God and your God my father your father wow. the steadfast love the Lord never ceases. So every time you're hit with that failure, a past, a memory, or a future uh, expectation doesn't happen, ask the Lord, Lord, let your steadfast love fill my heart right now in that place. So Lord, I just pray your yeah, steadfast pray. love. Would you yes. just reach out for that steadfast yes. love? Embrace his presence. His Thank presence has love. never left. Thank you for your love. Lord, let your presence fill every place, every place of mistake, every place of omission, every place where we had an expectation on ourselves that yeah. we didn't meet. Yeah. Let your steadfast love fill us, Lord, fresh. Your love never stops. It never stops. And we live, we move, our being in you. You are my father and you are the father in me. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, and Lord, let's, I just ask you that you would remove any shame or condemnation in Jesus' name. Any shame, any condemnation, any voice of the enemy that's tried to come in and say, you're not a good father. Any voice of the enemy that's come in and tried to say, you're supposed to be on the sidelines, you're not called to lead. And I just feel like the Lord right now is saying, there is therefore now no shame or condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
and those who are called according to his purpose. And right now, we just say no to shame and condemnation, Lord. And we thank you that, Father, you are coming in with your love and with your identity. And you're saying it's time to step up. It's time to step in. I just even feel like there's some, maybe you've even felt like, man, my, my time has already passed. I just feel like the Lord says no. Actually, you're called to lead and to father. You're still called to lead and to father. So Lord, right now, we just ask you, I ask you that you'd instill your identity, your identity of who you are, that you would even remove any shame or condemnation, any thoughts of like you haven't done a good job as a father. Lord, we just say, get out of there. That thought is not from you. That thought comes from the one in whose name it says is the one who accuses. And so we just say no to accusation. We say no to condemnation and we just thank you. And we just say, you're doing a great job as a father. You're a great father. You're a great father. Lord, we also, we, we wipe away any expectation that the world has tried to place. Unhealthy burden and unhealthy expectation. We just remove that and we step into the heart of the Father to lead and to Father from that place, not from what world tries to put on us, but from what God is desiring to do. And we just thank you for that, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. I just even see the Lord flipping expectations. It's like worldly expectation. No, heavenly perspective. Heavenly perspective. Would you take away what the world tries to think that a father is and would you show us what you're desiring to do through a heavenly, heavenly perspective of what it really means to father, of what it really means to father. And part of that is even stripping away this thing that the world has tried to do where they've tried to actually take in, like tried to strip masculinity away. And I just feel this morning like the Lord is like, no, it's, there's, there's something that God created us as men. There's a masculine thing, and the Lord is revealing that as healthy, as amazing, and we need it. We need us as warriors. We need us as men that will fight, and we're not gonna allow the world to come in and say, this is what a man looks like. This is what a dad looks like. No, 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 no. God says, this is it. You're called to be a warrior. You're called to have courage. You're called to lead. You're called to step in and have the strength of a man. And we need it. And so Lord, right now, I just ask you that you would instill that identity, Lord, that we would, as Mordecai did, that we would stand when others bow. That we would refuse to, to bow down to things that are not of you. And that we would take a stand in this hour when it is desperately needed that the fathers and mothers take a stand for sons and daughters. The last thing I really felt from the Lord is that he wanted to impart courage. 
So I just want you to hold your hands out. We're not up here or holding our hands out because it's some magic thing. It's just a posture of receiving. So Lord, I ask you right now, Lord, we thank you for the courage. Even as Joshua said, be strong and courageous. The Lord said, be strong and courageous to Joshua. And this morning I say, be strong and courageous men. Men of valor, men of righteousness, men of purity, men of truth. Be strong and courageous. For if you are silent at this time, deliverance will come from another place. But who knows if your moment isn't right now for such a time as this. For such a time as this. So Lord, we receive courage. We receive boldness. We receive courage and boldness right now. I ask you that you would give us courage, Lord, that you would instill courage in our hearts. That when we're trying to figure out what it looks like and we're like, I don't know what, I don't know where to go, I don't know what to do, that you would come into that place and you would say, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you. Lord, your God is with you. So Lord, we receive fresh courage this morning. We receive fresh courage. Hey. Oh, I also feel for some that the Lord wants to meet you in the place that he is provider. Yes, you are called to provide for your family, but your provision comes from a heavenly father that desires to provide for you. So Lord, we even just in that moment, we just, we receive you as provider. We look to you as provider. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just say, let the fathers arise. I thank you that this is a house full of amazing amazing men and fathers who are taking their place and I just honor you up I honor every single one of you up here for the place that you occupy in in your sphere of influence which includes in this house thank you for the way that you father and lead in this house thank you for the way that you father and lead in this house some of you are like but I don't father and lead in this house but you do and you, and you may not know it but you do thank you for that Thank you, Lord. Yeah, you guys can just continue to, to pray.
And actually what I felt too was I felt like there maybe had been places recently that maybe some things that have tried to actually restrain the roar. And I felt like the Lord said, no, you are called to release the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah. And that there's nothing, nothing, nothing that is, that can come in and try to, to take that away from you. Like, uh, like world or people or things that, that things that people have said about just even being passive or just any of that, I just wanna just say no to that. I just feel like the Lord over you is just saying, you were called to release a roar. You were called to roar. There's a roar within you. There's something that the Lord has put inside of you and he wants to instill fresh courage in your heart that that is who you are. That is who you are. So right now, I ask you right now that you would instill a courage within him, Lord, that will be unwavering. It will be unwavering. And we just thank you for the roar that you've put in him. thing we needed to do if you're if you're not up here so if you're a woman can you stand too this is the last thing I feel I want you if you're out there you're a woman and you're seeing all of these men of convergence men up here I just want you to shout out we honor you we bless you can we do that already one two three Yeah, come on. Let's just give the Lord praise. Yeah. So good.